Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. For 
to find the balance is the purpose of this time. To restore the balance of the universal mind. And I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy angel of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence Welcome and thank you for joining me here on Activating Compassion Radio. My name is Jesse. I'm Nicole George, and I'm your hostess this afternoon. This uh, music that you were just listening to at the beginning of the show is I Sense Your Presence. It's by Shem Shai. And I just want to extend a welcome, whether you're returning or whether you're joining us here for the very first time. We are now streaming live in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Ten, also known as Parrot Counters Network. And I welcome everyone listening through those channels as well. In addition, I say welcome to those people who are catching us out of the podcast through TuneIn.com or iTunes or through my YouTube channel. And uh, what we do is here at Activating Compassion Radio, I look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how to remove our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more. And some weeks I'm discussing different aspects of how compassion is in our lives, how it affects our life, and the different areas of compassion. And then some weeks I'm doing more exercises, practical implementations. Uh, Many times, and this year is going to be no exception, I've got incredible guests that I bring on the show, and that way it gives you a chance to learn about their work and also how other things work with and complement compassion. Uh, I also highlight different musical artists along the way. I've had Stephen Halpern, Peter Cater, both Grammy nominees, Joe Matson, Claire Hedin, Bruce Ciccarelli, Craig Corolla, Carol Grant, Staff Moses, Sam Swift there. Um, really a great selection of musicians, and I'm looking forward to bringing more on this year for you to enjoy as well. Then what I do in my own work is I focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday lives. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and if you've missed that, you can catch it in our archive. I've also authored four books, the most recent being you, Me, Life, Dreams, and its Companion Workbook, and then my first two books, Activating Compassion and its Companion Workbook. In addition, I've created the Compassion Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, and fundraising events. And you can certainly follow all of those events that are going on through my website. There's a Compassion Tour tab there on the website, and... Um, that is Jesse and Nichols George from number one.com. You're going to find all kinds of great things on there, uh, archive shows and interviews of other people have done of me and things like that. So 
lots of lots of great things you're going to find there, and I'm in the process of putting up my events. Matter of fact, this week I will be putting up a minimum of eight events um, going up based on the season, so you can watch for those. And uh, also, there will be some additional events of the tour events going on. There's going to be tons of new things being added to the tour events this year, by the way, because uh, there will be more healing activities that are going to be going on. Uh, we're going to be adding and doing some work for uh, other people who are in need of, of self-development and growth and health and things like that. So if you know of somebody who's needing some compassionate acts of uh, help and assistance, then we can you can certainly contact me and, and let me know, and, and I'll look at seeing what I can do to include them as part of the tour as well. Now, just a reminder, if you enjoy the show today, make certain that you tell your friends, you know, family, share it with those people out there on your social media. I know that every time I share a show, somebody comes back and goes, oh, my gosh, I just love the work that's being done. Or they come back and they'll tell me, I was just talking about this, or I was just thinking of needing something along this line, and this is going to be really useful for me. So you never really know. You might just change a life by clicking that share button. And they can always listen to it in the archives just using the same link that you use to get into the live show. They can listen to it then at their convenience as well as catching it as a podcast on iTunes, tunein.com, or catching it on my YouTube channel. So lots of options depending on what their preference is for catching those archives. And those two as well are listed on my my, uh, page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website. So you've got all kinds of choices, depending on what you like, <laughs> what you like for yourself for listening. Now, before we get started, uh, those that have listened to the show before, you know I'd like to delve into the 72 Names of God by Yehuda Bird. This is technology for the soul, as he refers to it, and Yehuda is a Kabbalah master. And Yehuda gives great insights in everyday terms, and I love that because that's kind of the way I function and the way I work as well. So every week we, we take a little look at at the name that we have, and this week's common name for, uh, that we're dealing with on the names of God is absolute certainty, and it'll be interesting to see if my guest has any feedback on this, because I think this plays a huge amount into what we create and, and what we script in our life and what we bring into our life. So absolute certainty is the common name, and the little message that he starts off with is, there's only one way to render all tools and power in this book inoperative and worthless. It is called uncertainty. And the insight he gives on this is dictionary entry, uncertainty, principle, noun. One, a principle in quantum mechanics holding that increasing the accuracy of measurement of one's observable quantity increases the uncertainty with which other quantities may be known, developed by theoretical physicist Warner Heisenberg in 1927. Two, part of the present scientific view of the nature of physical reality with implications for philosophy in general. If we inject doubt into any aspect of these teachings, we literally pull the plug and shut them down. I'll believe it when I see it must be replaced by I'll see it when I believe it. And remember, certainty is not just confidence that we'll get what we want. Certainty means recognizing that we are already getting 
what we need for spiritual growth. It's true that when hardship strikes, doubts begin to surface in our minds. We become uncertain about the reality of the creator. We question the justice in the universe. We fear for the future. We point the finger of blame at others or toward the heavens. But when we invoke the power of certainty, all these negative sensations fade away like clouds shrouding a steadfast mountain. In every area of life, the duration of chaos and pain is always directly proportional to our own degree of certainty and responsibility. And the meditation he gives on this is certainty, certitude, conviction, sureness, trust. All these fill your heart through meditation upon this name. Now, again, the common name is absolute certainty, and the formal name that he offers is I am Rush You. I am Rush You. And that will uh, be on my page of the Main Street Universe tab. You can go back and look for it on my website there throughout the week. And I like to do that. I like to refresh through. I kind of like to work with a concept or, or a piece of, of understanding for a week and see where it goes. And, and this, I think this absolute certainty is a big piece, especially with all the influences we've been dealing with, all the changes we've been going through. A lot of people have been feeling that. And to get back to that fact of certainty of knowing that we're already getting what we're needing and, and getting that blame away, blame from others, blame from ourselves, blame from the universe, um, and, and just starting to, to learn and look at what the lesson is here and look at how we want to shift it, how do we want to change it. Um, from the chaos, we're always going to be able to create. So, again, you can check that out on my website. It'll be up for the entire next week. And we're going to do one more little thought here before we go into our show today. And uh, this will just kind of give us a little lead into the topic that we're dealing with today. How many times have you heard the expression, life is just a dream, or life is like a movie? What are the roles or characters that you take on in life? Is your story a sitcom, drama, tragedy? comedy, romance, adventure. Whether conscious or not, I would say we all take on those of some sort in life, or at least have people around us that are playing a lot of roles. Even if we are very authentic in how we live, we are likely to have a theme of sorts that plays out for us in our life. I remember at a challenging part in my life, I often would say, if this wasn't my life, it would be really funny. And oftentimes, it helped me to remember life is funny. Even if it doesn't feel that way, we just need to be able to lighten up and laugh at it a little bit. Perhaps that is playing into effect even more today, as there's a tendency to take things too seriously or to be too sensitive about things. It is in this process that we can become aware of our attachments and what we are holding on to too tightly. It is a good sign that we are overly stressed and need a timeout or some recess time. Yes, I'm making a parallel to children because oftentimes we are being immature in this process. Kids know that there needs to be a lot of breaks and you are supposed to stay in high intensity. You're not supposed to stay in high intensity stressful things for a long period of time without a break. I think the key is that 
it's important to remember that we are the director of our own life story. Each character is going to play their role, and sometimes they will throw in some twists and turns and stuff. Keeping this in mind, it also reminds us that we can change the storyline at any time. We are able to keep being a certain type of character in a certain type of story, or we can change our character into something else and shift the story. Bert Kempner actually works with people in what he refers to as life stricken. I find this to be a very interesting and valuable concept. Imagine if you could see what was happening in your life like a movie, seeing the different characters, thoughts, thoughts, etc., and being able to see your own action from their perspective and as a doer instead of just in the midst of it. It seems to me that this is very, very valuable indeed. And I've often looked around at the people and situations in my life to see the patterns and rules that are playing out. In doing this, it has also given me greater insight into what is actually happening in a situation, people's intentions, and the action that would be wise to take. What is the character you are playing, and what characters are those around you playing? What type of movie are you living and how are you expressing your own life? This week, we are focusing, or I should say our guest is focusing on a component of compassion that's related to the aspect in my book of finding your truth. And in order to find our truth, it's important to realize what is happening in our lives currently, including the roles that we are playing and the stories that we are living. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Bert Kempner, and he's going to be sharing his work in life scripting. And the song I've got for you today during our break is called Well Scripty Hill. It's by Claire Hadeen, and Claire was on our show back in the end of 2012, actually. She was one of my early guests on the show, and she's been gracious enough to allow me to use her music on the show here. Um, and if you'd like to check out more of your music, by the way, because she does quite a variety of styles in her work, you can do so at her website, which is www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And we'll be back in just a few minutes.
And welcome back. You are listening to Activating Compassion Radio, and my name is Jesse and Nicole George, and I'm your host today. You were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called Wells Cathedral. And you can definitely check out more of Claire's work at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And today, the guest that I have with me is Bert Kempner, and he's the creator of Real Life Scripts. Bert is a successful, award-winning, professional TV, film, scriptwriter, producer, and journalist. His work has appeared on PBS, Discovery, History Channel, CNBC, European Television, and he has over 40 years of experience as a master storyteller. Bert also devoted considerable time in the 1990s working as an outreach counselor for the homeless and for at-risk families. For years, he's been thinking about somehow combining these two abiding passions and with real-life scripts, he's been able to do that. He is proud and excited to offer this transformative concept to you. And you can definitely learn more about Bert's work at www.reallifescripts.com. And I'm going to get his mic opened up. Bert, welcome to Activating Compassion Radio. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show, Jesse. I appreciate it. Uh, well, it, you know, it's a pleasure, and I know we've been communicating for a little while on LinkedIn. And yes, we have. You know, I I took a look at what you were doing. I can't remember what it was exactly, and and something uh, had me take a look at some of what you were doing. I was like, oh, it wasn't that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I've had a lot of people well, say, what, are you crazy? So uh, <laughs> finally somebody finds it interesting. Well, and, and yeah, this, this and is kind whole, of a leap into the dark for me. Well, and so share with us. Then, how did you get into doing this? Because I'm thinking, here's this guy who's got this successful career, obviously in the entertainment industry, and and here he is going to this life coaching sort of different type of work with people. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try and explain. Uh, Okay, I, I, you so nicely brought up my background and everything, but, but in this type of business, you're only as good as your last project. And I had been working for three years to develop a uh, documentary series, and uh, three difficult, long, hard years uh, with no salary. And uh, due to a number of unforeseen incidents, the, the whole thing fell apart. And not only was I out all that time, but uh, I'd invested a whole lot of my retirement funds, in it, and, and that was gone, too. So I found myself at age 65 thinking, what do I do now? Uh, my contacts were pretty much dried up. Either they'd retired or some died or some sensibly hired somebody else to do what I was doing. And uh, I said, well, you know, I could, I could sit here and, and moan and complain, or I could uh, reinvent myself. So... People ask me, you know, how do I know that your service works? And the best answer that I can give them is because of the success of my first client, my first client being me. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was it. I tested this thing on myself uh, quite by accident. It was kind of grew organically. And I sat down, and I'm a visual kind of guy, so I like to uh, – 
I like to draw my ideas so I get a really, really good glimpse at them. And I said, okay, how did I get to this point? And I thought of all the things in my life, all the high points, all the people who helped me, the people who stood in my way, and, and where those 65 years went in order to get to the place where I was. And then I said, okay, I'm, I'm at a crossroads right now. And then I, I started sketching out more. What would happen if I did absolutely made no changes in my life for the next five years? What would that be like? What would that feel like? What would that sound like? And my pencil was just flying away, and I didn't like what I saw. I, I saw myself getting older, more bitter, um, being one of those, those people who just complains about how bad it is now and how great it was in the old days. And that's something I didn't want to have happen, nor have the people around me that I love suffer. So I did one last series of drawings in which I thought of, of changes, realistic, doable changes that I could make in my life. And I thought of the two things which you brought up earlier in your introduction. What have I loved doing as an adult? And, and the answer was storytelling. Uh, that, that's what I lived for. And my experience as an outreach counselor, working working with these uh, unfortunate people. And I just said, I wonder if there's some way I could possibly um, combine these two loves. And I was just I was just noodling around, and I drew a, a script that I was going to just write my name on it. But instead, I wrote John Doe. And it occurred to me, yes, if, if I can change my script and the direction of my life, anybody can. You know? and, and, and maybe they'll go through the same process I did and get to the same point. So the way that real-life scripts works, and I, I should mention at the outset, that life scripting is, is not original with me. It's been around for a while. This is my own take on it based on my experience in, in a number of spheres. But I, I work with storyboards, those little screen-shaped blank uh, drawings with lines underneath them. And in all movies and TVs, these are done to sketch out scenes before they are shot. So no accidents occur. They know exactly what they want before they shoot. And in this case, I was working on my life. I was making a movie based on, on my life. So the especially important part to me was the first part, because I have, I have to admit, Jesse, I had this image of myself as, as Indiana Jones with a keyboard, writing <laughs> wrongs and bringing truth and justice to, uh, to everything with, with my words. And... I discovered after really looking at my life and the drawings that I've made and the words that I wrote under them that I wasn't. I saw a pattern emerge in which all these times I would just be at the, at the top of the mountain and I would pause and wait for somebody to descend like a Sherpa guide, if you will, and bring me the rest of the way to the mountain. And... Uh, it was uncomfortable, but it, it, it happened time after time. And I would give these people power that they, they probably didn't deserve. In almost every case, it didn't work out. I, I didn't get to the top of the mountain, not because the people I'd invested the power with were, were unscrupulous or, or dishonest. Some were and some weren't. But I was, I was 
giving them them um, a power that didn't really belong to them, and, and and I was the victim of my expectations for them. So I decided that 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 wasn't going to be the case anymore. And in order for this to work, I had to become the real true hero of my own story. And this is really interesting in these in these aspects because you brought up a bunch of points, so I'm gonna kinda of bring some of these in. You sure. you first said that you know it's successful because you're um, you know it works because you were successful with your, with your first client, which is yourself. And I can absolutely relate to that because I myself oftentimes do that. I don't put anything out <laughs> for a survey right. or anything that I haven't personally used, but I figure I'm the toughest client there is <laughs> out of my base because if if anybody's going to sabotage me, it's going to be me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Okay. So, so you've done it yourself. You're short-circuited yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I, I realize if I can be successful with something, then I know it's going to work. Because I'll go into it looking at all the different pieces going, okay, was it really what I did or was it this piece or was it that piece or things like that. Um, so uh, that's, a, you know, that's one one aspect there. So I can completely relate to that, and I think that that's a great place for people to start, uh, is to see how it works in their own life, because I think when people are looking to work with somebody, they need to know that you've done it. They need to know that you've gone through it. They need to know that you're living what you're asking them to do, and I'm I'm very big on that, um, with that. Now, uh, you also mentioned that you looked at what what you love to do, and this is one of the things that I, I suggest frequently when I'm working with people, take a look at what you really love to do. You know, if you didn't have to worry about the money piece, what do you love to do? And uh, like you, I started combining a bunch of of love in my life. That's actually how I came about to doing my adventures of integration work is because I okay, love what, being what, out in nature. What did you combine to, to get to that point? Which which loves of yours did you combine? My my love to be out in nature, my love to be on hiking trails and doing more adventurous things. Um, whether you know, and and I work with people depending on where the group wants to be. For example, so I have a very adventurous group. We might actually do some rappelling and canyoneering or something like that. Um, if I have a less adventurous group, it will be more of a walk <laughs> in there. Uh, it all depends on, on the people that are participating. But my love for being out in nature, my love for being on hiking trails, um, combined with learning from nature, meditating from nature, being connected with uh, the environment, and helping people learn from what's around them, realizing that the tools are all around us. The answers are all around us. Um, what we're seeing is also within us and, and can teach us and give us the information when we're feeling stuck. So I'm very, very big on combining the different things that we love if we're going to go into to this type of work. Uh, so how tough to you for doing that? Because that's one of the biggest challenges well, I think people run into. Thank you. And, and, and the first 
rule I gave myself was don't be constrained by practicality. If I wanted to be a short order cook and a, and a banking executive, just play with it. See if I can get creative with it. Um, so I, I found two things that were pretty different, but managed to uh, to bring them together. Exactly. Um, and and that's where we start to build the fulfillment, I think, because I know in my work I couldn't pick just one piece. I couldn't say I'm going to be just an astrologer or just a numerologist or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, just a magical person or whatever. I, I'm like, it's all part of it for me. You know, it's all, all of these things have made me who I am. So how could I sit there and say it's just going to be this one little piece that's going to work? Um, blending them all in is what makes my work more fulfilling for me as well uh, in there. Now, um, you know, I, I have so many reflections going on <laughs> in my head. <laughs> um You mentioned Indiana Jones, and that just brought a whole bunch of flashbacks for me. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay. that's, so, that's so me, too, because I, I just have all this adventure going on in my life, and, and I seem to love a little bit of adventure. I get bored if everything is too stagnant for too long, so I could totally relate to that piece. But you also mentioned that you have people do storyboards. Maybe you could share a little yes. bit more about what – is a storyboard? What is happening when somebody's creating a storyboard? Sure. Um, okay. Uh, as I said, a storyboard is a blank. Uh, it, it's a blank figure that kind of resembles a TV screen. And uh, artists in the film and video industry actually do pretty detailed drawings of, of what each scene will look like. And there are lines underneath it uh, for the dialogue. So that before before the camera even starts the role, the director and the production team know exactly what to expect. Because when you're spending you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a minute, you don't want surprises or guesses. Now, the way that I do it, I don't require people to be great artists. Uh, some people use stick figures. Some of just some words. And, or, or some almost... Like the the old Batman series, pow, kaboom, um, or they can just write the words underneath. I'm I'm not interested in in art. I'm interested in people really searching inside themselves to, to come up with their stories and and be as honest as they possibly can with it. And and it's not a, a painless process sometimes because here here some of the clients that I work with. Have have come in with a strong conviction that they they were the heroes of their own stories, only to find out that they really they were they were kind of bit players in somebody else's stories, their their mates, their bosses, society, and and so it requires work and it requires honesty to go through this process. And, you know, this is um, this is something that to me I think a lot of people. Uh, they they try to get too rigid into this is what I should be doing. This is mm-hmm. the direction everybody mm-hmm. tells me my life should be going. So I'm going yes. to focus on that, and and I'm going to be very serious about this. But it sounds to me by what you're saying, this is one of those things that should uh, be fun. 
you know, we should play with it a little bit. Uh, well, see, I, I can't stress strongly. I, I, I want to go back just for something you said earlier before I was I was uh, on the program about certainty. And, and to me, uncertainty is your ally. Uh, total certainty is your lover. And inertia is the devil. Okay? So what I, I try to do, people have a fear of doing anything. It might make things worse. And so they sit there and, and they, they kind of molder in place. Um, once we, we overcome inertia and do something, all things become possible. Even if the changes don't work out the way we plan, we're, we're now conditioned to believe and we know in the hearts that we have the power to plot our own course. Man, that's power. So if the initial approach doesn't work, another one will. Practically anything be doing nothing. And that and that's a good point, and I think that's where a lot of people get it. Like I don't know where to start. I don't know how to begin. I don't know what the first step is. And things. What do you say to that? Right. Um, it, it's not as hard as they think. It 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 is just a way of, of finishing the, the the way you think about things. And and some people say, wait a minute, you know what? My story isn't a story or a script. It's real life. You know, get real, man. And and I I say, but but is our story real or unreal? Where where do we get our ideas about how to live or love or laugh or, or play? Most of we get it from the media, from books or films or TV shows or the internet or, or the stories our families handed down. Man, I wish I could be brave like Uncle Chuck was. And as with every novel or movie or TV show. Our, our life scripts can be rewritten or, or edited, um, continued as is, crumpled up and passed away and begun all over again. So I, I think people can be taught to do the same, uh, to make enduring positive changes in their lives. You know, I, I, I say the subtitle of my upcoming book is Change Your Script, Change Your Life. And um, I don't know, the people I've worked with say afterwards that they feel more empowered, they, they've achieved greater clarity. They, they saw themselves in a in a new light, and then they broaden their horizons. So, uh, feedback like that tells me that that you can make these changes and and see positive results. And and I think that's it. I think um, realizing that indeed you can make these changes, that they are accessible, they are possible, they are available. Uh, to to us to make whatever whatever changes that they want to with things uh, and, and and the changes the, the the one rule I have Jesse is that the changes have to be realistic and they have to be something you do yourself you can't say well I've got uh, I'm going to get a million dollars from my long lost uh, aunt or uh, I win the Nobel Prize and get a big money um, that's not allowed and when I, I work through the third part of the program where we, we make these changes, uh, I, I want them to feel so real. I, I want people to be able to taste it and smell it and and feel it in, in, in their bones. And so to a certain extent, now that's visualization, but they're the ones doing the work with, with, all, due, um, with all due respect to the law of attraction. 
Um, I, my way of thinking is that you can wish to be a ballerina at, at age 30, but you have to practice really, really, really hard. The universe isn't just going to uh, have a contract float down your skylight. And I'm asking my people to work hard on this too because it's their lives. And you bring in some good points there, two big, really big keys. And that and that's being realistic and that is being able to do it yourself. Um, that realism is a great thing because, yes, there's tons of people, I, and I get, I get clients, silly uh, <laughs> enough, through some of the, the channels that I work through that come on and say, when am I going to win the lottery? When am I going to get, you know, get this yeah. one call? Mm-hmm. You know, where's, where's the hidden fortune that <clears throat> such and such an uncle left me? You know? and yeah. Like, you know, and, and the main title of my book is The Hero of Your Own Story. And if you win the lottery, who's the hero? Not you. Whoever picked the right. winning numbers from the lottery is the hero. Um, I, I want to I wanna spur self-reliance. And, and I think that that's an important thing because that is a very conscious state of existing is, is the self-reliance. But, you know, and, and I would say with that that while we need to be able to handle things ourselves and we need to be able to, to be steps that we can take on our own, at the same time, we also need to know when we do have resources that we can ask and utilize in that process. So I think part of being self-reliant is, is knowing, okay, who can I go to for this piece of information or who can I go mm-hmm. to that can make this connection for me or different things like that. Um, you know, it's, it's not about just isolating ourselves off, but it is about, uh, for example, um, not having to rely on everybody else along the way. Now, obviously, there's going to be times when people grow to a certain point in their business and they're going to need assistance and they're going to need people around them. But, uh I know myself in, in building things up, that's been one of the great lessons of not having some big, huge marketing budget to work with, <laughs> you know, yeah. starting with no friends and, and going, <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to learn how to do that. And so, but having that knowledge now, even if I was to go out and hire somebody to do those things, lets me know whether they're really giving me what I need or don't need along the way, mm-hmm. too. Well, you know, most most creative, sensitive people would rather have anthrax than market themselves, and, and <laughs> that's certainly true in my sense. Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to do it by going to public events and photobombing everybody. So I'm, I'm just uh, going to spread the word the, the best way I can. And, and and hope that word of mouth works for me. I'm going to be opening an office next month uh, here in Kingsville, Florida, and uh, seeing people there. And where I work remotely with people through Skype, so I'll be able to do all both of those things. Well, and I think that that word of mouth goes a long way. Uh, at least I find that. I mean, you have to have the patience to build things. Uh, along the way, but I find that that's where the solid stuff is. 
that word of mouth brings people in and in the long run you don't have to work as much <laughs> once you get mm-hmm. that flow going. Uh, you know, also I think the picking things that are doing yourself is so important because if if we pick things that other people need to do for us, we place ourselves in a position to never move. Precisely. Precisely. How, how do you, if I could ask, how do you uh, uh, attract clients to you? What <laughs> method do you use besides this wonderful show? Uh, well, you know, and I have somebody in the chat room that says, me too, you nailed it. I'd rather have anthrax than work on my marketing. <laughs> I, I, was, I was sitting there going, well, this is a really tough decision. <laughs> anthrax marketing, anthrax marketing. And, and you're right because I think a lot of us that have that creative energy, you know, we want to just go do the work. I know that's the case for yes. me a lot of times. I, I just want to show up and do it. I don't want to do all the marketing stuff. But I've I've also learned that, okay, I'm going to put something out there and I'm going to give people a foundation to work with. For me, what I did recently with touring was I looked at a couple of different things of what I could support uh, personally, emotionally, mentally. And one of those things was indie store owner, the small business owner. And I've been a small business owner, so I know what it's like to be in their shoes. And Mm -hmm. I feel like some of that networking, and I looked at it and said, man, it's those small business owners because if they like what you're doing and they're happy with you, they're going to bring you business. And I don't have to go out and do huge levels of marketing if I start connecting with these people. Now, that may mean that I settle for some venues that are smaller or I have smaller groups. Maybe I have 10 people show up to something instead of 100 people showing up to something. But I know that those 10 people are going to be sincere about being there. And I know that by working with the indie business owners, maybe I'm giving a little piece of my my money up, but it's worth it to me given what I know they're doing to promote my event. So that's kind of one way that <laughs> I, I did okay. it. But I, I share my work. I share my thoughts. I share that through social media. I communicate with people. I you know, go on to Facebook, I make posts every week, I make blog posts every week, so I'm sharing ideas and concepts, and that captures attention as well. So, you know, that's that's another piece there. And I think that that gives people a chance to experience my work firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned a lot from following you, I, I really have. We're, we're not going to turn this into a self-congratulation uh, spectacle, but... Uh, I really have. I I, I I like the way that you approach. Well, I feel like it's not about me putting some – I've never been – my sales has always been a non-sales technique. I've done sales in the past, for example, for different companies, and I always sold by just talking about the product. I was never one of those people like, hey, man, you got to get this, and you got to have this in your hands, and you got to do it today. Mm-hmm. And if you don't you know, sign up now, you're, you're, your life is going to fall apart. I never functioned from that space because I never appreciated it. 
But when somebody shares their thoughts and their concepts with me, that is what allowed me to connect with them. That's what made me Mm -hmm. say, you know what, there's something deeper there. Doing that, I figure if I share, then the people who are interested can come in deeper. And that's the people that I'm really looking for anyway. I see. Well, I, I suppose, and, and well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you. Uh, I am approached by, not by people who say I'm so satisfied in my life that I can't stand it. For for <laughs> the most part, the people who approach me are are seeking something. They're they're seeking betterment. They're seeking more elucidation. They're they're looking for insight. And I've worked with people from all types of backgrounds. I, I work with lawyers and high school dropouts. And, and wounded veterans and genealogists and writers and construction workers. And um, they, they all of them want to have the final say in what happens in their lives, but almost all of them let fear and doubt hold them back. Well, I, I did a workshop once with a group of uh, disadvantaged teenagers, great kids. And afterwards, a, a boy and a girl approached me, and the boy said, you know, I've never thought about my future before. And and that, that kind of shook me. And then the girl, her big, wide, saucer eyes, said, I had no idea I could have a say in what happened to me. And and I was really, you know, shaken a bit by that. I, I That's so alien to me, but that's the way that these people think, and, and that's why there's a need for uh, for what people like you and I do, Jesse. Yes, and, you know, you've brought up a key point that I do hear from people. There are so many people who have been led to believe through societal programming, whatever media programming, you don't have a say. If you don't do this, this bad thing is going to happen to you. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. notorious for breaking chain stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I, you know, those change letters that you get through all the time that go, you know, if you don't send this to 15 people in the next five minutes, you know, yes, your life is going right. to fall yeah, apart. Your, your toes and I'm like, right. no, I am changing this because this is, I am not putting people in fear who don't need to be in fear. And so I am I, doing the right thing and I'm going to break it. I'm a change We are breaker. brother and sister in this. Yes. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And to the best of my knowledge, I haven't gone bankrupt, and, and uh, uh, my my nose hasn't grown to twice its size, so all is well. Exactly. I haven't died yet. I haven't, you know, you know, been, had any of these torturous things happen to me as a result of it. Um, matter of fact, usually I get blessings after I stop the chain letters. <laughs> but <laughs> it just goes to show how many people feel out there powerless that they really feel like they have no control over what's happening in their life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be the first one to say it may not always be easy to make the changes, but it can be very exciting all the same. And as you start to make them, it's amazing how you find yourself starting to shift and change. So, for example, I knew I wanted to tour more and things like that. And, I had some circumstances go down in my life about a year ago that 
didn't just give me the opportunity <laughs> to tour more. It basically said, you know, I'm dropping you on your butt so hard that uh, either you're going to, you know, go live your dream or, you know, you're going to go down this other path that you've been running from for years, you know, that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And and so when I look at that and I say, yeah, this is it, you know, it's hard to do it. It's challenging, but, uh, and I don't know how to do it completely, but I'm just going to start taking the steps and I'm going to line up whatever venues I can and I'm going to trust how it shows up. And, you know, Bert, when I hit the road last September, I, well, I was going from a 2,300-square-foot home to a mini cargo van. That's what I have now is a mini cargo wow. van. And that's a, that was a big change. And, and I not only had that, I had a cat that was coming with me that I rescued from going over a waterfall. So when we... You know, and I wasn't going to put her out anywhere, so I said, Kat, you're going to have to learn how to travel. That was the deal when I picked her up from being over the waterfall. <laughs> and, and I said, you're going to have to deal with this with me. And she has totally dealt with it. And so it's really interesting, though. I left home, left that lifestyle with 500 bucks. And I knew darn well 500 bucks wouldn't get me cross country <laughs> to all my venues right, sure. that I had set up. And I'm like, I'm just trusting. And and every night I just would be like, okay, I trust in my process. I trust in my process. I know you're going to take care of me. Yeah. And you know what? Lo and behold, if it didn't show up every single step of the it way, did. as long as I kept taking the steps. Mm-hmm. And and so you were able to overcome fear and doubt, which is something that most people just either they can't do it themselves or they they can't do it even with help. So so what was that last push that got you over that hump? You know, I I think it's like a lot of people the the fear of taking the jump became less riskier. That that traveling cross country and not knowing how I was going to make it from venue to venue uh, and day by day and how to do all of this um was less of a fear than than the other options I was looking at. <laughs> mm-hmm. As they say, okay. the 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 uh, you know the challenge became less painful <laughs> than where I was at. Right. And I think as scary as it was, I had to hit that point where I had to just take that leap of faith. And everything kept coming up telling me, "You just got to take the leap of faith and and trust. Just trust. Just trust." And so I said, okay, uh, you know, I've never had to put things to test in my life more than I am right now. And if I truly believe everything that I tell everybody else, then this will work out. And I do believe what I tell everybody else. I do know it. And in that moment, you became the genuine, authentic hero of your story. Yeah. And and even if it doesn't work out. You were you were the hero, and and uh, I, I just think you're to be totally commended on on that. that. That that is so impressive to me. Well, and and it doesn't mean that the path isn't going to be without challenges. I think. Of course, I, I I'm sure you found that as well. There's still challenges along the way. There's still going to be 
there were still some scary points for me along the way, and I'm still figuring things out as I go. But the difference well, is, is, is I movie, know. Jesse, remember, this is a movie. It doesn't it doesn't reach a happy point and then get boring for another two hours. There's, there's going to <laughs> My be life is never boring. <laughs> Before that, that the end appears on the on the screen, look for challenges and and stuff and and how your uh, your clever and resourceful um, heroine will will get her way out of them. I, I have so much to appreciate, boring. <laughs> I cannot even tell you. <laughs> Stillness is one of the most magnificent things in the world. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, we're we're kind of sharing some different stories here, for, and I know that that's a big part of what you do. So maybe you can share with us why is the storytelling aspect such a critical thing. Why is that so important? Why does that make such a difference? It it begins in an early age. Okay, when when we're we're little boys and girls, our parents tend to write our stories for us, which is which is exactly how it should be at that point. And and later, we let maybe our teachers assume that role, the mayor of the town, officer friendly, and business leaders and other authority figures. And there comes a time for us to step out from behind the scenes and write our own script. As, as we, we do in, in, in life, we want to be independent. We want our own voice. We want our, our own say. But many of us continue giving that power away. You know, we, we, we create backstories, for instance, that have no basis in reality. I, I was listening to the radio the other day and, and this woman was reminiscing about her childhood and and her mom had these fabulous stories about growing up in an aristocratic family in the south and she was always the belle of the ball and there were there were dresses that that uh and 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 fancy music and and you and and all sorts of wonderful things that came out almost like a storybook and she had her family enthralled with these stories. They asked for them time after time. Eventually, the woman found out that her mother actually grew up dirt poor and didn't own a pair of shoes until she went to, to school. And as soon as she could get away from her family, she didn't. She changed her name. And so I'm thinking, well, did she harm anybody with that deception? Probably not. You know, But did she did she keep her family from getting to know the real her and the remarkable transformation she'd made in her life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not just the the stories that society puts on us. It's the ones we tell about ourselves too. If they're false, then then we we prevent ourselves from being known. You know, that's a really wonderful piece. Um, And that preventing ourselves from being known. And I think that there's definitely people that that's where you really come face to face with, am I living for myself or am I living for everybody else's perceptions of me? And Mm -hmm. I know that when I started on this journey of writing books and the story of becoming an author (laughs) and doing some of the things that I'm doing right now, that there were a lot of people out there that 
were going to knock me down for not doing things the traditional way, and I have. I've had some people come at me and say, you know, you need to do this and you need to spend money and stuff like that. And I said, no, I don't. And mm-hmm. and what I realized was I needed to get to that point of being vulnerable enough to let people see me fall, to, to let people see that, you know, you, you learn to work with what you have. You know, I'm broadcasting from a coffee shop right now because that's what I've got available right now to, at the moment. And that can be a little challenging at times, but you know what? It still works. And maybe it's not the perfect thing, but I'll build into the perfect thing. Uh, but it gives people a chance to see me grow and develop along this process. And I know there's a lot of people out there like myself their dreams aren't getting fulfilled because they believe they can't fulfill them because they have no money, because they think that they've got to have tons of money to make the dream happen. Uh, They think that they've got to have certain components there. And I realized that by being vulnerable and being willing to say, you know what, I don't have these resources right up front. And Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I'm creating a lot of successes and I'm doing a lot of things, but you know, life isn't always glamorous and letting people see the less glamorous sides of things uh, and share the whole story that it's getting more people inspired. It's getting more people that says, yeah, you know what? She's doing it. Why can't I do it? Of course I can do Precisely. it. Yep. And and this, this so, whole issue of stories, you know, it, it doesn't just apply on a personal level. It it's, it's a, can be found on a, on a planetary level. Think think of the limiting stories that have been handed down to us by our culture, and 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 how they prevented us from becoming all that we that we really already are. It, it, it's keeping us from being who we are. And for instance, we've been told that that uh, humankind has dominion over the entire earth, and it's somebody everywhere religious texts have, have stories like that, that, that we're the be-all and the end-all of creation. How has that worked out for us? I, I think that belief has brought us to the edge of, of physical and, and spiritual extinction. And and time for a new story, I'd say. You know, how, one that maybe teaches that all living things are, are tightly interconnected and what happens to one happens to all. And And we're told that war is a natural part. Of, of humanity, it will never be abolished. That's an excuse, you know. I, I, we, so we may not be able to eliminate armed conflict completely, but we do have the power within us to make sure it's the very, very last thing people do instead of the first choice. And uh, lastly, competition is the natural order of things. So I think if you really study the record. Those, those tribes that cooperated with one another uh, tended to live, and the ones that were every man and woman for themselves tended tended to die. And the cooperation is is a national uh, a natural part of us. So, you know, we're told instead that that nice guys finish last, and whoever ends up with the most toys wins. And we wonder why our souls are rotting from within. So, and why the earth is falling uh, apart? <laughs> yeah. You know, people who insist that caring and compassion could never be our guiding principles, they're clinging to an outmoded paradigm. And and caring and compassion, I, I think, not only will, will guide us, but save us. 
Yeah, and I think that this is I think this is such a big shift for people, which is part of the huge universal shift that we have going on is towards this compassion uh, aspect of, that is happening. Um, you know, I love there's a couple of things. You know, that phrase always he who who has the most toys wins. Well, yeah. guess what? Mm-hmm. There's nothing to win. First of all, and second of all, you can't take any of that with you. You know, Precisely. none of that. None of that's going with you. It can be fun to enjoy while you're here, but there's a lot of different layers and pieces to that, uh, as I hope people <laughs> understand along the way. Uh, you know, certainly you can have fun and enjoy the toys, but at the same time, you know, are you being conscious and responsible and other things as well? Uh, I love that you brought up the fact that war should be the last choice, and. I see that whether that's war with ourselves or war in the world. Um, I, I mm-hmm. agree, war is not, is not a necessary factor. Um, ironically, things are always going to balance, so war will always bring people together as well. And as people come together, they will tend to war. <laughs> but yes. uh, it's it's like learning. You know, we don't have to learn the hard way, but it if we go at war with ourselves, we're going to learn the hard way, and definitely the lesson is going to come in. Uh, eventually, uh, it's going to come in. So I think that if, that's If the a world huge... did, did the sensible thing and, and made me emperor of the world, uh, I think the first thing that I would do was would be to mandate that every elementary school in the world have nonviolent communication as, as a, a subject every bit as important as language or math. I love that they're implementing that now. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. testing things like that out in a couple of the high schools, and they did that, I know, with a football team recently in a high school, and they took out the competition factor and put it just in for playing for enjoyment, and it completely shifted how these uh, boys ended up treating women. It completely shifted relationships, dynamics in the school, uh, and and they they ended up with almost no violence in the school as a result of making that one change in there. And and it shows how, how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And it happened quickly. That's the thing. That's the that's the thing when we implement these pieces, it happens so quickly. You know, I Iceland throws out the government recently... and in two years they're free. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just read these, about these 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 little heralded programs under under the United Nations that are taking place around the world. They're on a shoestring budget, and they are cutting down on violence dramatically, and they, and they cost hardly anything. I, we just have to get out of this paradigm. It just doesn't work anymore, and and it's it's dragging us down with it. So. Um, okay, now we we made the world peaceful and and, and save people's souls. What do we do for a follow up? <laughs> well, you know, the, I, I was going to jump back actually a little bit for for the storytelling aspect because I found that storytelling is something that has been done through all different cultures, all different time periods, and the storytelling was actually a way that protected people but allowed them to share information and get it out there and be protected. If we look back into different cultures and different times, 
they would create games that were storytelling games. Um, we look at different ancestries, of the, whether it was the Druidic or whether it was the Jewish culture or whether it was the Asian cultures, uh, all of these cultures taught by storytelling. And I think, one, because people, they, they become interested in the story. So the lesson folds on much easier when we have a story to relate it to than just saying, here's the lesson. You know, there's a, there's a difference between sharing, um, for example, the story of the giving tree. Uh, I, I just touched on that in the last video I did while I was in this area because it's the area that I grew up in. And I went and filmed my video uh, in this park, Hollywood Park, in front of a tree. And it was a tree that I grew from seed. And uh-huh. the, the story of the giving tree always made me think about that tree uh, or that tree always made me think about the story of the giving tree. So, you know, having that relation brought bigger lessons in life uh, to me than somebody just saying, oh, someday you're going to appreciate just sitting on stuff. <laughs> right, the, right. So I, I, I saw a documentary this- that not that long ago, and, and there was a very, very poignant scene with a, a – veteran who who was undergoing PTSD at one point he just shook his head and he said I had a really nice story go and they took it away from and and that was such a sad thing to hear he he lost his story yeah well and I think it's interesting when I when when I work with at-risk families, um, young parents and kids would, would come in and it would get worse and worse and worse, and eventually you see that light go out behind the kid's eyes, and, and what replaces it is kind of a cold, hostile stare for the entire world, and they've lost their story. And and I, I can't think of anything sadder. Yeah, and there's a good reference point right there that – if you're sitting around in those blank stairs and you're going around mechanical and numb, somewhere you've lost your story. And I think mm-hmm. the interesting thing about this is we're coming full circle because if we look back in time, life was a story. It was all a big story. Uh, and people lived it as a story. Then we kind of moved in the times where things became much more mechanical and people just became much more robotic in their nature. And now I think we're turning back to, again, part of the only way we're going to be able to communicate is with stories because there's been so many that have tried to put restrictions on people saying you can't use this word and you can't say this and you can't talk that way. And so now people are having to go back to stories, and, and people, I do, I feel, like you said, a lot of people that are lost, and that sense of being lost is is a sure indication you've lost, you're out of your story. You're not living a story anymore. I, I wonder about your thoughts on this, Jesse. Um, in, in, in light of the problems that we're facing, do you think it's time for a new story? Oh, definitely. (laughs) 
I think okay. we're I think we're headed into a new story, and I I feel like it's up to us to create that story, each and every one of us. And people think I'm powerless. We're changing the whole. I'm powerless to make a difference in the whole, but all we have to do is focus on ourselves. That's my mm-hmm. opinion. If we focus on our own story and living our own story and creating that to be the best story that we can make it for us, we will change the whole. The whole will change inevitably. It starts with each and every one of us. And when we live our story, and, for example, if I live my story of being compassionate and caring about people and different things like that and healing the earth, uh, other people are going to see that and they're going to start living their story. And as a result of them living the story, it just keeps shifting the world and it keeps shifting it in that that direction. I can't do the work for everybody else. I can't make their choices for them, but I can definitely make my own choices and I can definitely shift my world. And in doing that, it, it inevitably does shift the whole. Right. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the industrial revolution happened. It wasn't because there was an industrial revolutionist. It was, it was a mass movement. There was no Mr. or Ms. Renaissance. It, it, it was a mass movement too. And, and instead of people preaching at you and telling you how you should live, it was people doing things in a different way. And maybe they got ridiculed at first, but eventually the people next to them looked over and said, hmm, you know, that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I might try a little bit of that. And, and that's how mass movements happen. I, I, I don't think they're – if we're sitting around waiting for our leaders, so-called leaders, to do anything for us, we're, we're doing it. It's just that a president or a king or a parliament is, is, is not going to, uh, uh, to change our story for us. It's, it's imperative that we do it ourselves. Well, and you, li- you lead by example. That's the reality. And Precisely. You know, and, and, and we're not here to have somebody else lead us. We're here to lead ourselves. That's my, that's my thought on that is, uh, you know, it's up to us to be the leader of ourselves. And when we're the leader of ourselves, we will naturally help others to lead themselves. Uh, there's no way. I have people that come to me frequently, and, and I don't know if you get this too or not, and people are like, you need to you need to come and put this out here, and you need to help me on this project, and you need to uh, you know be out there pounding the pavement on all these animal rights activists because your message is compassion. You you need to be mm-hmm. you know pushing these these veganism things, and it's like you know what I can't do it all. <laughs> I can't yes. be everywhere doing all these pieces. These are the pieces you've chosen to do. I have to bring it in in my pieces. There's not enough me to cover every piece for everybody in all these areas. It, 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 it's not, that goes back to your, your part of it, what's reasonable. <laughs> and yes, it, it, that's, that's why we have other people doing these other pieces. <laughs> yes, it, it took me a long, long time to learn how to say no, but now I, I do it. I, I do it nicely with a smile, but the, no, I say no. 
because I was stretched so thin and I wasn't helping anybody that way, especially myself. Absolutely. I had a client. I'd love your insight on this. I have a client who I just could not push off the the story that that he was a victim. That that story wasn't working for him, hadn't worked for him in in decades. Uh, He just would not let go of it. And uh, have you encountered roadblocks like that? I I just finally had to give up because he was so in love with that story. You know, a lot of people are dealing with that right now, Bert. Uh, I've dealt with that personally in my life. Uh, Both people that that are the hero and the victim at the same time, uh, and people that choose that, and 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 they've chosen those patterns. You know, I've I've gone to where I work with people and I take away all of their excuses <laughs> for doing mm-hmm. something, and eventually what happens is they then are consciously choosing that story to live. I look at that and I say, okay. I've given what I can give in this situation. They're choosing to be the way they are. So this is a soul process that they're going through, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something that they just simply have to work through. So what I do is I always leave the door open if they want to come be in my happy world, but I will not stay in their miserable world. Um, I'm not going to be miserable with them. And eventually those people will find that they're they're not going to have people there supporting them. A lot of what keeps them in those patterns is because they've got somebody enabling them in those patterns uh, in some way, shape, or form. You know, they want to hold on to that as an excuse or as a way to make themselves feel good down the line when they do make some accomplishments. Um, There's so many pieces to the victim story, and what we have to realize is, again, we can't change somebody. They have to change themselves. And if they choose not to, they have to also deal with the consequences of those choices. That's just part of how they're choosing to evolve. And it's not easy to watch. I think that's the challenging part is for people like you, for people like me, when somebody chooses that story, it's very, it's very difficult to watch. But it's, you're right. You're right about getting sucked in there. There's a certain type of person around energy vampires. They pop up all over the place and they will, they will suck your energy right out. So, uh, you, you just can't, uh, you can't pull into that orbit. If you, if you, I feel like if you value yourself and you value the whole enough, that it's going to, you, you realize, okay, this is not what I'm choosing for my spirit. So, if they're going to be this way, they're going to have to be someplace else. <laughs> not in, not in my life. Because that's not the story I'm going to I've been really attracted lately to this movement called, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Sacred Activism. And I think it was begun by Andrew Harvey, who's a uh, uh, Christian mystic and quite a um, 
popular author. And, and the idea behind that, it's directed at activists. And it asks you to combine your activist life and your spiritual life in such a way that you don't get burned out on either. That that mm-hmm. each bolsters the other. And and it's a really intriguing concept to me. Because I know burnout is a is is a, a problem in in what we do. Have you been affected by burnout? You know, I have. I have <laughs> I've had my points like that and I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of people with burnout uh going on for them because burnout is I would say another one of those those signs where people don't um they're not living their story at that point. Um I I feel like few people burn out because they stay in situations that they're they're busy living somebody else's story and not their own. Mm-hmm. And when, mm-hmm. I, when I look at it, it would be like if you've got that energy vampire, if you've got that victim in your sphere, then you're living their story. You're not living your your own by staying there unless you are choosing to be a part of that story. In some way, you want to be in that system space as well. You want to be in that brain. But mm-hmm. I find that more and more what I do is lovingly detach. Love the people. Don't care for the actions they're choosing. And I detach from that situation. Uh, I, I, I know just by the laws of the universe that what I keep in my sphere, people's situations, is what... I'm going to create my story to be. So if if I don't want their lifestyle, if I don't want that drain in there, then I have to, to move those people out. <laughs> I have to mm-hmm. move them out. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to take them out of the script, so to say. I can still love them, but I have to take them out of the script. So that, yeah, makes, that burnout makes, makes is good a sense. And then once I do that, I'm not burned out. I'm only burned out when I'm loving somebody else's story. Mhm. Mhm. And 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 people will will. Some people are very very good at at uh, slipping you into their storyline. You just realize, hey, I'm I'm not following my own agenda anymore. I'm I'm <laughs> a, a supporting player for this guy, for a woman. What what do you I think, think that people listening right now? What what are the most essential things that people listening to this broadcast should know about stories? Well, you know, I I I think what you've been sharing is really important. You know, this aspect of getting down and knowing what is the story you want to create? What is the story that you want to be living? And you know this is this is the formula that you talk about is that mm-hmm. is is then what are the changes that need to be made to live that story and and getting in tune with that because uh, and and i I love the aspect of the storyboard because it it stimulates the creativity that maybe you don't know all the pieces it's not about knowing the destination it's about just starting with the pieces that you do know, because if you start to plug those pieces in, you're going to have more inspiration and more ideas come to you. I think that's part of the aspect of the storyboard is 
you start off going, okay, I know I love adventure. I know I want to write an adventure story or a romance or mm-hmm. a comedy or whatever it is. And in the process of that, you start developing the characters. You don't have the characters necessarily fully developed when you start the story. They develop no. as you're creating the story. It's always a work in progress. And and as we touched upon earlier, it doesn't end until the very final reel. When you, when you take your last breath, it, it's open to uh, changes and excitement and, and fulfillment at any time. Absolutely. So, you know, I would love to know from you, Bert, how this process that you're working with and life switching, how is it really going to change somebody's life? I mean, do you have some stories or some examples of people that are have made changes and, you know, and how how is this going to help people see the changes that they need to make in this process? Well, Somebody immediately jumps to mind is, is, is a, a woman that I've known for a while, but she she wanted to become a client, and uh, she had been at a, at a university job um, and hated it. But she was she was also pretty good at it. It was pretty high stress, and she had developed a really strong interest in genealogy, and she was stuck. She just couldn't make the move, and we worked together. For, for a while, and um, we found things that she could do, immediate steps. didn't have to be a huge step. didn't shouldn't have to be quit that university job and, and, and don't even think about it. It was she contacted the Genealogical Society for information. She, she did a couple of things that moved her forward, and once that momentum built up, it, 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 she now has her, her own consulting business. She's so happy. She, she's going to leave the job this year and, and do this full time. And she's really, really feeling fulfilled. But she was, she was a hero. Stepped out. Getting over that inertia was the hardest thing. She just felt stuck. And then when she found that there are, are, are things that she could take immediately to make her unstuck, that, that, was, uh, that was the propellant that got her going. So, yeah, I, I, and I, I've had some good success stories. And, you know, it's interesting. You you refer back to being the hero of the story, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. for some people today, they they sometimes automatically goes, "Oh, well, if you're playing the hero, you're living in ego." <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, it, it it it's not it's not ego. I it, you know, if you want to see yourself as as a square jawed heavily muscled uh, man and, and a uh, you know Xena, the warrior princess woman. Uh, that's the thing. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think it's ego. It's just saying I accept responsibility for myself and for and for what I do and and um, and I'm not shuffling it off on anybody else. You know, it, it, it's me. And that, that's a hero. It doesn't have to be Indiana Jones. It it it, it can be a quiet hero. I'm not saying go out and, and accomplish amazing feats of daring. Do you just stick up for who you are? You you tell your story and and you take responsibility for it. And I think this will help shift 
that concept of hero, what you're doing here, because um, really the hero is somebody who's made a change, somebody who has created a personal success in their mm-hmm. life, um, who has stepped onto maybe that authentic path. Um, the hero is the space of empowerment, perhaps. Right. Right. You know, it, it, it's to some extent, it's like Joseph Campbell's uh, The Path of the Hero. And, and you know, so when he says you have to face ogres, it, it's not literal. You're not going to face a big, green, hairy monster. Uh, but you're going to face doubt, which is going to try and, and steer you away from the path. And, and you know, the, the, the Campbell's analogies are, are, are really excellent if you study them. Yeah, he's got some definitely got some excellent work in there. So, you know, let's let's give people kind of a little idea. If I come to you and I say, Bert, I want to work with you. I I got to get okay. this life scripting done. What are you going to do with me? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. The first thing I'm going to do is explain what's involved because this isn't for everybody. Some some people said, no, you know, I, I want you to do all my thinking for, for me. Well, that, that's totally at odds with my concept. Um, so they have to be willing to work with these storyboards, first of all. And like I said, you know, I'm not asking for Michelangelo. Uh, I'm, I'm just asking for people to, to really try and visualize things. And they have to be honest. With a, you know, they're, if they're doing it to impress me, then, then they're wasting their, their time and mine. They have to do all three parts of the process. They have to go from the beginning and, and get to the, to the present day in their story. Then they have to project out five years. And then they have to work on the change part, which is the, the most difficult but the most rewarding. And if they're willing to do that and, and, and share with it, I mean, I, I can't wait to have them. But if, if they're waiting for me to step in and save their lives, then, then I'm sure there's somebody else willing to do that. <laughs> For a lot of money. <laughs> For a whole lot of money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a whole lot of money. For, I, I think I know of somebody that does it for $20,000, actually. <laughs> I, I know no, somebody no. Actually, actually that I met through LinkedIn, and he, he says, I'm going to change your life for only $20,000. Yeah, you'll be poor <laughs> and, and I'm a good Christian person. So, you know, you're no. okay with this. Because I'm a good Christian person, I'm going to take care of you for $20,000. And I thought, really? Yeah. Really? But uh, I thought, wow, that, that must be something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so so let's, let's say that I... I come to you and I say, Bert, okay, I, I've looked back, I've reflected on my story, and, right. you know, I know where I've come from. I have this repeated pattern of of, of uh, betrayal that goes on in my life, mm-hmm. and I know I've got this pattern that started way back in my childhood, and I, I have a very easy tendency to come in and be caring and want to help people, and then the, the tables turn and I start getting taken advantage of along the way because I'm such a nice guy, so to say. Yeah. And, yeah. and 
you know, this nice guy, it, it kind of gotten me bumped out of some of my successes, and it's gotten me bumped out because I didn't want to be this aggressive, hard person and forced my way into to a venue or a speaking event. But you know what? In five years from now, I want to be in a place where, I, I, you know, I'm not concerned with whether I'm the most household name out there, but what I want to do is I just want to have my events booked. I just want mm-hmm. to have my events booked with people that are, you know, really serious about doing it. I've got some people trickling in now. You know, I've got menus running. I'm, I'm building things. But, man, in five years from now, I want it to be working more like clockwork, you know, where I know every year I've got an invitation to go back places, and I know every year I'm going to go back and whatever I present is going to be false. Okay. How do you get me there? What do I need to do? Now what's the next step? Okay. <laughs> no, um well, if, if you want to stretch this over five years, uh, come on into my parlor. Now, what what I generally <laughs> do is I get I get the people to the point where they have a a a plan that seems workable and realistic, and and they're ready to embark. Now, if they want to continue working with me after that, that's fine. You can call them back. Say, hey, hey, this isn't working out the way I planned. Let's so we'll brainstorm. We'll, we'll come up with something else. Or at, at that point, you might say, well, thanks. I've got as much as, as, as I need, and I, I, I feel I can proceed on my own, which is which is fine, too. I, I generally like to work with people at least three or four times. And if, if, if not, I haven't been doing this long enough to have, you know, several years' worth of, of clients, but I, I think I already have some who are going to be around for a while. Um <laughs> And if I, I reach the point where I, I don't think I'm adding any good anymore, then 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 I won't do it. So, um, you know that that that's how I do it. And, and of course, what what you do is is a bit more open ended. Am I right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I I have people saying, "Look, I've got my my screenplay now with the." Uh, with me riding off into the sunset, adios, Bert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you you your your work is probably more more continuous with your clients. I, you know, actually, a lot of times I do one session with somebody, and they're off and they're running, and mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. works for them. You know, they just needed to get unstuck. They just needed that little boost of confidence or uh, reassurance yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, in there, just they needed their focus back. Basically, uh, I, I bring a lot of pieces together. Matter of fact, I, I have a client that is a CEO of a company, big company, and uh, and I worked with him both on a business level and on a personal level. And mm-hmm. I remember to him saying, uh, "In a one-hour session, you just solve ten years of issues." <laughs> That I've had. He says, I have been to so many people and nobody, you know, been through this and this. And so he says, now I want to work with you on some other things. And then, then we started working on his personal life. He says, in one hour, you just resolved what I've been trying to figure out for 20 years. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's different. I do have those people who work with me continuously because they're in a process and they want my feedback as they go through the process. Uh, But I, I like that you put it out there and say, you know, this is, Three or four sessions is probably reasonably what it's going to take for you to help somebody do this work. And I think that what I really like about you that tells me that you're so authentic about what you do is that you know when to step away. If you feel like you're not adding value to the client, if you feel like what you're doing is not helping somebody, you're going to let them know hey, this isn't helping you, and That's right. I need to step out of the picture because of that. I, I don't know any other way to do it, Jesse. That just, that's how I would want to be treated. Well, and I just I point that out because so many people, they oftentimes get in this trap where people say, okay, you have to go six months, and that's all there is to it, mm-hmm. and it's this program, and the, and the program is laid out the same for everybody, and and. I think that it's important for people to see some of these things because that is exactly what I would be telling somebody. If you're going to work with somebody, if you're going to go out and select a bird or, or whoever to work with and whatever is resonating with you at a certain time, then you, you, know, you want to look for somebody who knows when to step out, who isn't, you know, mm-hmm. who's not going to just sit there and take your money because they can and right. and I think I think that's a real key point in finding somebody to work work with along the way. So I also think it's important that you that that you know your limitations. Um, for instance, I I am not a psychiatrist. I've been married to one for 34 years, but I'm not one myself. Um, if somebody came to me with severe mental disease, I'm that's out of my pay grade. That's not anything I should be close to handling. So I would I would just refer that person to a qualified professional. I, absolutely, and and if somebody knows their limits, I think that's that's huge as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to know know what you can handle and what you can't handle along the way. And yeah, absolutely, it's incredibly important. Incredibly important to do. Um, I think I, I I so appreciate this. I love that you're sharing these things and you're bringing these points out because I believe that in sharing how you work, that lets people really know whether it's the right thing for them to mm-hmm. tackle or to do. And and I know you've been inspiring me to, today because I'm planning out my 2015 tour, <laughs> Compassion Tour, Around the U.S. Oh, okay. and maybe Canada, we'll see. Um, and you know, it, it really makes me sit down and go, you know, a storyboard can really help me out right now. <laughs> you know, really grabbing that clarity, and I think that's it's a really good idea. Is, yeah. Yeah. It 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 helps me because I'm I'm a visual person, um, and and it just really helps me to see and I'm not a great artist at all. I'm I'm pretty crummy. Um but even stick figures it, it just it just makes it realer for me when it, when I see that. Well I think I think it engages more of our senses too when we do that. 
and when it get, engages more of our senses, then we're going to be able to embrace the process more completely. Mm-hmm. If it only stays in our mind, and, and I think that's the part, like doing a storyboard is almost like the first step of action. And until we take that first step of action, it doesn't get out of our head. If it doesn't get out of our head, it can't come to fruition. Precisely. I, as and I, it also helps I you have, as, as you can go back and revisit it and say, oh, yeah, this is kind of what I told myself I was going to do. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, and that's, it's a reminder. And that's great because you can use it as these checkpoints along the way where you go back with these little checkpoints along the way and go, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, this is what I started on, and now now I'm kind of shifting it this direction. So maybe I'll update it a little bit. Or going back, I, I find that interesting myself to go back and go, what was I thinking five years ago? And to just pull the thought straight is hard, but if I have that visual, it really puts it into place and go, wow, that's something else. <laughs> well, your travels better take you to Florida. <laughs> I'm going to have to make my travels. Say. I'm going to have to write the script. <laughs> And you, you, you say you've been you've been broadcasting today from a coffee shop. From a coffee shop, yes. Thanks, thanks to Starbucks, no they become my friend on the road. <laughs> no wonder I've had this unconscious craving for a latte for the last two hours. That's it. <laughs> that's that's what it is. That's the, it's it's the Starbucks energy that's coming through. You know, it's a, <laughs> well, and you know, it's fun. It's one of those things because I find. I find coffee shops kind of stimulating to my creativity sometimes. Sometimes I want the quietness of a library, but the libraries aren't always open when I need to do something. And so, you know, when I when I look at Starbucks, you know, it actually kind of connects me with some of the abundance energy too because, you know, people that have the money to, to buy Starbucks every day. <laughs> That's right. It's abundant in, in energy, so I'm going to draw on some of that abundance energy <laughs> while I'm at it. Um, I don't always sit down and have a drink when I'm in there. I, I, I'm sorry to say to Starbucks, but you know I have probably done my fair share along the way too. <laughs> um, and they do have some conscious practices. I know not everybody agrees with them, but they do have some great conscious practices of, of supporting yes, choice. And yes. and they are doing some recycling and things like that. So so I can I can appreciate that aspect as well. Got to crawl That's before it. they walk. <laughs> um, no no hate, hater here. So I'm giving them props. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun and you know it's it's just part of the <laughs> of broadcasting along the way. But uh, you know this has been a joy. This has been a joy to have you on the show because, like I said, what you're doing is a little bit different than just a standard coaching yeah. practice. And and it approaches from this creative aspect that I think a lot of us aren't in tune with enough along the mm-hmm. way. Um, and engaging that, that creativeness, to me, is that's where you really get inspired. That's where you get excited about doing something. Precisely. So, I, I, if I could, I wrote some, I wrote some, some words down. Uh, they're not mine, but a friend and I were discussing the sorry state of the world the other night, and 
he's convinced it's it's all too little too late on both the personal and planetary scale. But um, I wrote down these words from Tennyson because that, that kind of reflects my thinking and feeling. He wrote, I think this is from the poem Odysseus, The long day wanes, the slow moon climbs, the deep moans round with many voices. Come, my friend, it's not too late to seek a newer world. That's great. Yeah. So so those are my, my parting words for everybody. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me on, Jesse. I really enjoyed this. This this was a real trip. And, I, you know, uh, I enjoy having you on because, like I said, I love bringing unique approaches to things. And because you have this huge background in the entertainment industry, I think you bring this together on a whole new level than the average doing a storyboard type of thing right. with somebody with right. you. You really have well, that ability so. to to bring in and show people from all these different aspects and let them see it like they're seeing a movie. And I think that that's just a powerful thing to be bringing into the world. And I'm so glad that I could motivate you along the way or be a, a piece yes. of that inspiration yes, that got you there. Uh, thank you so that, much. And, and thanks to everybody I, listening. For... <laughs> I mean, you talk about my story and, and, and where I feel like the hero in the story. It's when I have people like you that come to me and go, you know, really, you were a piece of my inspiration and look at what I'm doing now. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you're doing amazing things. It's great. And that that just really, really excites me. And that's that's where I feel like the hero. So thank you for letting me be a hero today. Okay. My pleasure. <laughs> and, again, we can, if you'd like to find out more about Bert's work, you can do so at Real Life scripts.com. He's got his contact information on there and uh, more information about his work that he's doing on there, so check it out. And I love it because it's a nice, simple website that's easy to move around to on there. And next week, we are going to have Hans Wilhelm and Penny Cohen with us. And some of you might remember Penny. She's been on the show twice before doing different things, talking about Kabbalah and and other processes along the way, a wealth of information. She came on actually the first time uh, talking about relationships, and then she talked about her her book and the work she's doing with Kabbalah. Now we're bringing her back with Hans Wilhelm, and they as a team are doing this amazing work that is involved with the law of reflection and how we have mirrors in our life and the, the mirrors that we serve. So some of the things that Bert was bringing up today we might actually be following up on next week, like those people who kind of get under our skin a little bit that, that set us a little off course <laughs> along the way, those people that choose to live in their negativity and, and how that is important for us to, to know and how they're serving as mirrors for us. So these are some of the things we're going to delve into next week. It should be a, a fantastic show with them and the insights that they have to share. And Again, you can learn more about my work. I do videos every month. I have monthly specials. I have tour events that are starting to go up piece by piece. Uh, I have an event actually just coming up in two weeks here in the Southern California area region, uh, which is a full weekend event that's going to be celebrating uh, the aspect of the returning energy to the earth and um, 
and the, re- the return of the, the feminine principle to create on this earth, and, and our emergence. It's, a, it's about our emergence energy as well as the quiet, introspective energy that I think of in the flame of a candle. Uh, some people call that time candle moss, uh, uh, many lighting, and it's to light the energy back to the earth and the growth in the spring and to welcome it back in. So that's, that's a full weekend event. You can learn more about that on my website. And uh, like I said, I have eight more events that I'm going to be putting up uh, probably over the next week or so here, as well as additional events that you'll be seeing for the um, the 2015 Compassion Tour. So it's kind of getting starting here, getting underway, and you want to watch and see maybe what's in your area. And, and even if I'm in your area or I'm passing through your area or in your state, Say, hey, Jesse, I'd love to connect with you. Is there a way we can connect? And I'll certainly see what I can do to make that happen for you. Or if you have people that you know could use some help and could use some compassionate uh, assistance in their life, uh, I'd be happy to have you submit their names to me and where they're located, and we'll see if we can work them in as part of the tour and uh, go from there. So lots of great things happening. with regards to that, my website is Jesse and Nichols George, the number one dot com on there. And the January special that you're going to find right there on the homepage, it's just a, a fun reading that I'm offering for the month of January that uses your subconscious to help understand where to focus your energy during 2016. So you can check that out there as well. We do have several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. Sunday nights, we have Darren Bouper, who's a reader at Madame LeBeau, and he does a show called Spiritual Insights. Monday nights, we have Randy Goldberg, and he does work in Vedic astrology. Sometimes he brings some guests on. Sometimes he talks about topics. Sometimes he talks about uh, astrological influences that are happening. Uh, Tuesdays, we have Susan Weed, who is on uh, doing her work in herbs and natural plants, which is really fun. Wednesday is our flagship show. Daniel and Janice are hosting that right now. And uh, they address different topics. Sometimes they have guests on the show. Sometimes they're doing readings on that show, so it's quite a variety there. And then uh, we have kind of a potpourri that we're working on for Thursdays and Sundays on the network, and that potpourri of shows is an aspect of um, uh, things like Kevin Baird's work, Walking on the Sidewalk with his Horizon Oracle's Journey set, uh, Woven Green doing some work there. Uh, it's a whole realm of different things going on with that, so Listen, tune in, stay, you know, involved in our network and what's happening. Of course, Fridays, we have Activating Compassion. This is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. Thank you so much for being here. And, again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Talk Talk, but those streaming live through Penn, known as Parent Encounters Network, TuneFinder, TalkStream Live, and those catching our podcasts at iTunes and TuneIn.com and those catching the YouTube version of our show. I definitely look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into activating compassion. Hey, don't forget if you've enjoyed the show this evening, or today, I should say, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with a song, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shemshai. And if you'd like to check out more Shemshai's work, you can do that at www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind 
touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with the season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside The light within Shining to show you It's here to begin When all I have Is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity Time is still turning 
love is still burning Deep in your spirit Your heart still yearning for Oh 